But uh, this morning I want to preach uh, out of Ephesians 4 and deal with this topic of bitterness. And uh, last month I preached on the power of the printed page. Um, and I, I know if people don't get the word of God out, people won't get saved. And I believe uh, children of God are lacking a zeal in their life because they're not in the word of God. That's scriptural. And I also want to say this. We get sustained by the word of God. Amen. That's scriptural. But I also know, and I agree with Dr. Keene, and he brought this up when he preached for me before, and I don't believe a work can be sustained without the complete word of God. People get saved, they need the word of God for work to be sustained. So that is why we support bearing precious seed, And amen? And uh, printing ministries, we take up different love offerings through the year for other ones as well. And they're worthy of their, our support. When we stand to our feet, we've been sitting a while, we're going to read Ephesians chapter 4, we'll begin uh, 29. Of course, we know the text, Paul is now dealing with uh, the Christian's walk, amen, those in Ephesus. The first portion of this chapter deals with the unity and then he talks about things they got to get out of their life, sin. And we're going to begin reading verse 29, because, again, he deals with it in verse 22. He says there's some things you got to put off. In verse 24, some things you got to put on. And then in verse 31, there's some things we got to put away in our life. And uh, that's the same phrase that's used in the Old Testament that you have to, about being divorced. And uh, there's some things that ought to be cut off, divorced from our life, if you will. Let's begin reading verse 29. He says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, Forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sakes, hath forgiven you. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, I, I need your help. It's already one thing to have a burden to minister to ministers, but then to come in late and just, uh, I pray that you'd help calm my heart, gather my thoughts. Father, it's a very important topic, and Father, I, uh, you laid it on my heart, and I just pray you'd help me preach today. So give me clarity of thought and mind, and I pray you'd call my heart, and I ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Again, I want to preach on this thought of bitterness. I'll talk about the, the cause of it, which the definition really is the cause, the effects of it in our life, and then a cure. And it's not exhaustive, obviously. In a half-hour time, we won't get exhaustive. But the problem is a lot of people, when they get to this place of being bitter in their life, they're controlled by their emotions and they're no longer controlled by the Holy Spirit of God, and they don't follow biblical principles anymore. And that's what we've got to get to in our life, is we need to be controlled by the Holy Spirit of God, amen, and led by biblical principles. And uh, the definition and the cause really are the same. It begins when somebody gets injured. And I talk about an emotional injury. Somebody may think they got hurt. I mean, it may not even be a, it's a perceived injury, someone would call it, because... Uh, what happens is something takes place in your life, and you got hurt, you got injured, and uh, it, several emotions come in with it. You get angry, you get sad, you're disappointed. And it is more than just one emotion. As I, I study this word out, because I've met too many people in my life that are just so bitter, and uh, I tried to help them, and to be honest, I couldn't. I mean, I realized I, I thought it was me, and I, I watched how they conducted themselves with others, and I realized that it wasn't just me, amen? They're just ate up with bitterness. 
Uh, but it's more than one, one emotion. And if you do a word study on the word bitterness and grab your concordance, you'll find out it's more than one emotion. And what it means, it really means to camp out over that thing. So what happens, you go ahead and grab your Strong's or your favorite concordance, but the bottom line is when somebody is bitter, they've been hurt, and they get, they get angry, they get disappointed, and the bottom line is they just camp out over that thing. They don't forgive people, and what happens is it festers, and it really turns poisonous inside of you. It poisons your emotions. It poisons your spirit. And uh, you take them all together, and that's what you get. You stir all these things up, and you're unforgiven. And I'll tell you what, it just turns into bitterness. Bitterness, one defined it as this, it's unforgiveness that's been fermented. And that's it. And it'll destroy you. Causes of bitterness, really, death. Um, we have a pastor here, I won't speak for him today, who's brought up the last several meetings. His mother, had, his husband died, and of course his dad died, and the mom hasn't been in church since. I had a lady when my mother died, my mother died when she was young. And I was a fairly young Christian, and this lady encouraged me. She wrote me letters on, don't let this get you bitter. You know what? Her husband died, and she stopped going to church. And every time I'd meet her, you know what's going on in her life now? She's so bitter. Every time I see her, she complains about how God took her. Well, he lived a good, pretty, almost 80 years old. I mean, some of you are 80 already. I mean, not that that's that old, but you know. But... Death, abuse. You know, when I was a young man, I, I, I do envy. Uh, I, I'm sorry, Brother Moore, as well. I probably got you out of your slot, and I do apologize. And um, I envy men like Brother Moore. He's a second-generation, at least, preacher. My dad was an alcoholic. He was very abusive. And, uh, I mean, mean beyond measure. He found it almost, when he came home drunk, it became a game. He would, uh, if you didn't hit the stairs quick enough, he would beat you. It was just, a, it was an abusive home. Um, I remember him telling me as a young boy, I'm mean, I'm cruel, and I'm heartless, and don't forget it. And that was my upbringing. And, uh, you know, abuse, you know what? You could harbor bitterness because of that. And people do. Uh, unfair. I'll use myself as an example this morning, all right? Uh, my, mom, my wife and I got saved. And one time my wife and I were sitting and talking to my mom and my brother. He's sitting there, and, and she said, well, Mike's been my favorite. He's always been my favorite. That's my brother. And my, man, my wife got so mad. But you know what? I grew up with that. It, didn't, it, it was just like something I grew up with. I never even thought about it. And man, we left there, and my wife was furious. And uh, I preached this in my church recently. We pulled it off the air because I didn't want this out there for everybody. But, uh, you know, she was mad, but I said, you know, don't worry about it. And, uh, you know, things happen in our life you think they're unfair. Uh, you know, maybe you thought you should have got a promotion, even on church staff. There's guys that think, you know, I should have got promoted. And they get mad. And they get bitter. The cause of it. As a pastor, you know what happens? You invest hours and hours into people. Maybe this has never happened to you. Probably never happened to Brother Keen. Or Brother Schilling. You invest hours. I have fasted with people. I used to meet somebody every Monday. I would fast every Monday. Pray with them. They finally they went to court. And the judge... He recognized me. And the, the bailiff is in the courtroom. And the guy, instead of going to prison for years, they suspended everything. And the guy comes, the bailiff comes to me and says, Hey, Brother Burroughs, and I'm talking to this guy. And you know what happened? About a year after being in church faithfully, he's gone. So I go to knock on his door. He doesn't answer his door, don't answer his phone. I'm like, You've got to be kidding me. Never happened to you, probably. 
Or how about them when they leave the church? You know, I've, some people leave and they never say a word. And I thought, man, that really bothered me. But then I've had some leave the church and they try to tear it down on the way out the door. And I said, maybe I'd rather have them leave and not say a word. Amen? Yeah. So. But effects of bitterness. Textbook. I mean, I've done my homework on it because I've tried to help people. And I realize only God can help you, but you've got you to get involved with the program if you want help. People that are bitter struggle in every relationship. If you belt with somebody that's bitter and they just bite, bite your head off over you just stated, it's confusing because you can't understand them. You'll just be going along and all of a sudden, boom, they just bite your head off. And they do it to so many people around them. And you get confused and you'll find out that if you have somebody that's really bitter, ate up with it, you know what, you'd be surprised. They do it to everybody. They struggle in every sphere of their relationship. Bitter people do not take responsibility for failed relationships. They don't do it. They will not do it. Bitter people get to a place they don't have empathy. And I know what I'm talking about. I've done my homework on this. They don't have empathy. They no longer feel. It's like they, all they are absorbed with is their own pain and their own heartache and their own grief, and they no longer... And I'll show you how the Scripture is this. You say, oh, this is scripture. I'll show you in the Scripture this before we're done. They get to the place they don't feel anymore. They're just so ate up with themselves. I had a, a lady who worked in the office for a while. And uh, I say a while, and it was, wasn't long, but it was long enough, amen? And uh, she worked in the office, and every week would be raiding around to, to do the bus routes. And she would, when her husband would go out to get the bus, she would just get in my ear and complain to everybody in the office and everything in the office. And every week, I'm like, after a while, I'm like, oh, man, somebody else come down here and pray with these people, you know? And i finally like, man. And one day she comes to me, and she says, and so you realize after a while, I realize this lady's just ate up with bitterness, and I don't know, it, it's been there for years. I uh, talked, uh, actually their former pastor told me about it, and I didn't, I didn't know that until I, they were in our church and serving. But um, one day she says, you know what, this lady ran out in tears and slammed the door in my face. And she was trying to get me to demand that this lady come and apologize to her. And I thought, did it ever dawn on you? You obviously said something that offended her greatly. That's why she ran out and cried. Maybe you ought to go apologize to her. And she's like, oh, no. Because she can't think of, you know what? She has no empathy left. She's just, it's all about her. She says, I'm a sensitive person. You're sensitive because you're hurt. But you're no longer sensitive to anybody else's pain. And I'll tell you what, if you end up with bitterness, you'll get there. Yeah, you'll get there. It leads to anxiety. It leads to depression. It leads to health problems. It controls the way we respond to events and circumstances in our life. In other words, you are no longer controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. Listen, man, I'm telling you, if you get ate up with bitterness, you'll not be controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. You'll be controlled by your emotions, the old man, and he has been spoiled and poisoned, you see. That's the problem with bitterness. It'll ruin you. It'll, it'll, it'll mess you up. It'll affect every relationship you're in. It really will. It leads to things. Look in our text here. The first thing he brings up, and you, you notice this progression. And, and you, I know you guys probably studied this. You know this, but I felt led to preach it. Wrath. He, he talks about bitterness, and he talks about putting away wrath as well. Wrath. Well, there's a progression of emotions here. Wrath is this burning fire in you. I mean, man, you're ate up with it, and it's starting to boil in you, and it's vehement. I mean, it's, it's like, man, you're hot. Anger. Some people say, well, it's the same thing. No, it's not the same thing. Anger is now you are taking that wrath that's in you and you're starting to plot in your mind of how you're going to pay that person back. 
And then it comes to clamor. Well, that, you know what that is. That's, that's a progression. Now we're talking. And it comes from this boisterous, brawling mouth. And it's like now you're starting to flip the lip. You're starting to blow up. It's coming out. That's why when people get ate up with bitterness, I mean, all of a sudden, you, you'd just be shocked. You'd be going along, all of a sudden, boom, they just spew it on you. Boom. And you're like, where did that come from? And you'll figure out, man, what did I do? And you'll look in the mirror and try to figure out how to do something different next time. And it's not you. And then it builds up to evil speaking. Evil speaking includes slander, backbiting, angry. I mean, you're tail-bearing, right? Slander, all these things come down to this. It could be the most subtle phrase, and they usually try to be subtle about it, that gets you to question somebody else's character. When you run into people like that, it's because they're ate up with bitterness. Amen. That's what evil speaking is. Malice. It leads to malice. And malice is now you want to hurt them, and you are going to hurt them. It may be words, but somehow, someway, you will hurt them. And that's when I go back to some people that have left your church. Uh, we had an experience where I never had, in 15 years, I've never been here, I've never really had this happen. But somebody decided to leave, and they didn't just leave. I mean, man, they're calling everybody up. And I'm like... I talked to the husband, he apologized, and he tried to justify some comments that his wife was making. It was the same one that worked in the office. And uh, I uh, that couldn't work in the office, and she gets along with everybody, she told me that. But, you know, I said, that's not true. And he goes, I know it's not true, preacher. I said, we need to talk to her. And then I, hit, I brought up some other things that she said. And, and you know what? He started to go, well, you know, that could be taken more than one way. I went, no, that, that cannot edify the church. But you know what? When you're bitter, it'll get there. It'll get there. And you know what? I know preachers who got so bitter with their church. I know more than one pastor that's done this now. Got so bitter with their church. He said, well, now you don't know what they went through. Uh, I don't. But I know that ain't the way to leave a church. But you see the progression, bitterness. You know what? Bitterness, when it's left in you, will spread through you like cancer. It'll eat you up. Uh, the other year, I, a guy in our church, Aaron Carrico, some of you know him, he had a neighbor, and he's a biker. And I grew up in a very rough environment. My dad was a, a biker, so I thought... I wanted to talk to them. I love talking to bikers. I don't, I'm not intimidated by them. I've had some fun experiences talking to them through the years. And so I kept asking, let me talk to him, let me talk to him. And finally this guy had cancer. And he said he wants to talk to you. And I'm like, great. You know, I get to the house, to the hospital, and Goat, his name is Goat. That's a good biker name, by the way. Top shelf biker name, Goat. Amen. So I get to the hospital, and, I, and Goat, he's, he's scared to death. And, I, and it was really an easy witnessing job. I said, Lord, give me the words to say. And he goes, no peace. I said, well, that's good. He looks at me all surprised. I said, I'm, it's good that you don't have any peace. That means I know that you are afraid to die. He looks at me and nods. And I said, that tells me you believe in God. 
That's why you're afraid to die. He goes, yes. And I know you're going to stand before God, and you know that you're a sinner, and you aren't going to heaven in your present state, and that's why you're scared to die. He looked at me, and he's looking at me, and he's nodding his head, yes. And I said, well, then I can help you, because there's one who died for you. You know, I led him to Christ. He weeps. He prays. He calls on the Lord, and everybody in the room is crying. And he looks at me, and where it all started, that young man, he was raised in church. You know where all that bitterness started? It started when he was a boy and his mom died. He was raised, he was in church as a little boy. His mom died, he got angry with God, and he blamed God his entire life. But you know what's amazing? It affected every relationship he was in. Every one of them. My brother, like we were raised in a bitter, bad home. I mean, that's just how it was, right? My brother was so bitter. My, my, my dad was my brother's idol. I, I just never liked my dad. I mean, you know, even after I got saved, I, I, I went and witnessed to him, but I didn't like him, you know. And uh, you say, how does that work? Well, it works. Yeah, it worked. Amen. It really did. And uh, anyways, uh, but my dad, my brother was so bitter at him. And it, you know what? It didn't just affect that relationship. He was in failed relationship after failed relationship and he became a crack addict, was a drunk, he was a crack addict for 15 years. You know why? He was ate up with bitterness. Ate up with bitterness. You know, one time I, I got him to the roll-off home, and he got out. I recommended it. My mom kind of was over the whole situation. Finally, she says, Bill, whatever you want to do, you can do, because he got out and he was back in the crack. And finally, I got with him. I don't have time to tell you the whole story. But I finally got him back down to the roll-off home. He said, I'm not going there. So I'm not helping you. Well, anyways, I gave him the roll-off home one more time. And uh, he goes, I hate that place. I said, I don't know who else to send you. I said, but I took his daughter because his daughter, he thought he, he thought he had killed my mom. He thought he killed his daughter. And uh, anyways, I get him to the roll-off home. And man, the whole time, his, you know, he, I just know he's angry and he's bitter. He's angry and he's bitter. And I don't even know really what he's angry at at the time. And anyways... One day, his daughter wouldn't talk to him on the phone because she was scared of him, and she was angry at my brother, and she was bitter at my, my brother, her dad there, you know. He's sitting down there in Corpus Christi, Texas. And finally, one day, I, uh, I preached a message in our church on the prodigal son, and my niece gets saved. I go, well, you got to be kidding me. My niece gets saved. I'm preaching. She's a 10 or 11-year-old girl. I go, well, how about that? The next week, I preached on this text. And my niece goes, I'll talk to my dad. I said, you'll talk to your dad. I said, well, wonderful. Because now he's been down in Corpus Christi for six months. Never talked to him. Didn't want to talk to him. And she goes, gets on the phone and she says, Dad? She goes, I was in Ephesians. My brother, your Uncle Bill preached on Ephesians 4 and says, And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. She said, Dad, I want to tell you that I forgive you. And my brother broke down sobbing on the phone. All right. Praise the Lord. I didn't say much. They gave me a pastoral privilege. I could call any time I wanted. All of a sudden, about three weeks later, my brother calls me up. And every time I talk to him, you can just tell he's, he's not any better. You can just tell. He's angry. He's mad at me. He threatened my life because I got him down there and all this. You think, well, surely he'd love you. But no, he didn't. And that, but anyways, finally one day he calls me up. And he says, I got the victory. I said, well, how'd you get the victory, Mike? And I didn't know what was lingering on his mind. I didn't. He said, I forgave Dad today. I said, and then the Lord said, that's it. You know what he got out of there? No more drugs. All of it was done. He wound up getting married. 
He got in church where I was at. He lived with me for a while, got a good job. He's still living up where, going to the same church. Now, that's probably 15 years ago now. 15 years ago today. You know what happened? He got rid of that bitterness. He put it away. He put it away, and that, he couldn't, you know what? No more failed relationships now. It's amazing. Now the relationships are working out. You know, Absalom, you remember when Absalom, he caused his revolt? Who did he call when he uh, was ready to pull the trigger on that whole situation? Ahithophel. You know why? Ahithophel is bitter. Is this mic on? This ain't working? All right, I'll stay back here. I don't do a very good job of that in my church, but I'll do it here. But now I want you to pull up in your memory. Now we know it. Uh, Bathsheba is Ahithophel's granddaughter, right? We know that, right? And he is furious with David, bitter against David. He left to go back to his hometown when what David got right with God, he went back home. You read the whole story. Ahithophel went back home. He went to, uh, to his hometown. And when Absalom was ready to pull the trigger and overthrow Israel, he calls Ahithophel. What did Ahithophel tell him to do? Who remembers what Ahithophel told uh, Absalom to do? Before that, yep, lay with his concubines. Now, wait a minute. What in the world was he a bitter about to begin with? That David slept with his granddaughter and defiled her, and now he is ready to ruin all them ladies' lives. He didn't care about their feelings one bit. Don't care that he ruins all their lives. He just wants vengeance upon David, and that's what bitterness will do to you. It'll eat you up. You won't care about anybody else. You'll just want vengeance. You want revenge. Malice will consume you. And that's what happened with Ahithophel. I'm telling you, it doesn't just affect you, though. It affects other people. We know Romans, uh, and Romans tells us what? We don't live under ourselves, right? No, we don't live under ourselves. We, we affect other people. The cure for bitterness, though. The cure for bitterness. You know, Paul said you've got to put this away. Well, the first thing is this. You've got to recognize this is sin. Oh, no, no, yeah, this is sin. Well, I got hurt. The pain, the hurt wasn't the problem. The injury that took place, the misjustice that took place, that wasn't the sin. The sin is that you wouldn't forgive them and it is eating you up now, and that's why you're full of wrath. That's a sin. You're full of anger. Oh, righteous anger. Oh, come on now. No, you're full of sin. You're controlled by your flesh and no longer the spirit of God. And now you want to pay people back, and now you're not fun to be around at all. I mean, you're just bitter. I mean, people don't want to be by you anymore. Yeah. Bitterness. Well, you've got to recognize that it is sin. I'll say this. Getting rid of bitterness isn't dependent on your circumstances either. Yeah. Right? We tell our people that, but it isn't. No, it's, it's a state of mind. It's a you making a choice to get rid of it. I'm done. I'm putting it away. Isn't that what you tell your people when you preach on forgiveness? You've got to make a choice. This is a choice. You say, I am putting it away. I'm divorcing myself from that. I'm done with it. Amen. That's where it begins. Again, for so long I looked at people that were bitter and I go, man, I, I thought, how in the world can I help them? I mean, I, I coddled them. I put my kid gloves on. We've all done that. You pastors, we've all done that. Oh, come on, honey bunny, you know. You know, and I've, I've given more affirmation. People say, you've got to give more affirmation. Oh, you're the greatest. You're the best sugar plum, man. I've done it all, you know. I tried all that. But you know what? It wasn't my fault. It wasn't me. They were ate up before I ever met them. And if they don't realize 
get back to the root problem? It could have been, they must have been, been bitter for 40 years. You don't even know it. I come to find out this individual, this goes back 30-some years. And they still haven't reconciled. But they've done this in every church they've been at. And they're still bitter. And you don't know them, so don't, don't get your mind wandering. No, they, they need God to overcome it, but they've got to do their part. You've got to confess it as sin. Go to, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 7 once. I'll get us out of here on time. I, I know I, I preach in prison. I'm not afraid. Talk to bikers, I'm not afraid. But preachers get hungry. That's a scary thing. And I've already ruffled the pot when... Get, get, uh, get, I'll tell you what. I had a preacher do that for me. This can't mean... And I've never been late to preach just to let you know, it's the first time in 15 years, 20 years. Never been late to preach in 20 years, but I had a preacher in our camp meeting this year, and I'm looking for him. He's not there. And I go, well, and uh, he'd been in services, and he was up to preach. I thought, and I, all of a sudden, he comes to church late, and he runs his man, I'm so sorry. He goes, my wife called me. She was watching online because we have our camp meeting going on. She said, they're looking for you. Brother Delane called me and says, brother, you're up. I said, yeah, I'll be there. I'm going to be there early. He goes, no, they're calling your name. I go, what? I go, it starts at 10. He goes, oh, no, it starts at 9. It was in the, it was in the email. I said, anyways, I said, oh, so much for being late. Well, look at 2 Corinthians 7.1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. You know, in James chapter 4, you can go if you like, but just one verse out of James. Same thing. Draw nigh to God. He'll draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. And you may think, well, I cannot cleanse myself. And you can't cleanse yourself, right? You can't cleanse yourself. Well, how in the world is a sinner like, that's ate up with bitterness and all these angry sins that he's already laid out in Ephesians 4? How can we cleanse ourselves? You can't cleanse yourself, but you can take the Word of God and apply it. And in 1 John, he says, if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Listen, the way to get over this is what? Is realize it is a sin, admit it to God, agree to God that your anger, your bitterness, your malice, all that wrath you're ate up with, that it is a sin and you're sorry and ask Him to forgive you. And you know what? He'll do it and He'll cleanse you and it'll help take away the guilt with it, won't it? Yes, it will. Yes. Yeah, I believe the Bible, right? So you're going to put it away. You're going to make this decision. Man, I'm done with this. I'm done with it. I can't be ate up with this the rest of my life. Amen. And, he, and now he goes over some terms here. And I almost think, man, this, I know if you've heard me preach before, you think, this isn't Brother Burroughs. I preach in my church this way, man. I know sometimes I think, man, I, I hope these guys don't take me wrong when I preach at the preacher's fellowship sometime. Amen. As I try to challenge and so forth. But he goes on after that and he goes, hey, think about this. He said, be kind one to another. Now, why would you have to tell somebody to be kind one to another? You know Why? Because you've lost that when you're ate up with bitterness. You, you don't do it. He says, be tenderhearted with that compassionate. Well, you haven't had that. If you're here today and you're ate up with bitterness, or you know somebody that is, I mean, this, thing, this seems like it's overly simple, right? Well, be kind one to another. I know we have the bad attitude, Baptist blowout. Well, that's really not... <laughs> Anyways, I'll stop right there. I'll behave myself. No, be kind one to another. Be tender-hearted. What's that compassionate? Why? You know what? Because the whole time you've been able to bitterness, that's not being been in your thought pattern anymore. You've not even thought about how you're talking to people, even your wife. 
Everybody. It, it affects you in all these areas. He says to be kind when they're tenderhearted, right? And then he says, forgiving one another. Think about that. I mean, as you struggle with bitterness, you know what? You realize you might be coming home and all of a sudden you're, you're spewing on the wife. I'm awful quiet here. I think we're hitting a root. I don't know what I'm talking about. Amen. And I've been bitter before. Surely we've all gotten there, right? I mean, and you've had to get to a place where you say, oh, God, help me, forgive me. And then you realize, you know what? You realize, you know what? I have come home, and I'm, not, I'm taking it out on the wife, and I'm taking it out on the people. You know why? You're ate up with bitterness. He says in Ephesians 4.29, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. Think about what you're saying. But tenderhearted, is that compassionate? He says, forgiving one another. <laughs> forgiving one another, even as what God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. And Mark 11.25, you know the verse. And when you stand praying, forgive. Here you are, you're praying to God, and you know you got ought against somebody. Listen, we say it all the time. But your relationship, your fellowship with God is affected when you're sitting there, ate up with bitterness, and here you are trying to get your prayers through to God. They're not going anywhere, friend. You're not under control of the Holy Ghost anymore. You're under control of, by your emotions, your flesh. That's it. That's the fact. He said, if you have ought against any. Think about that. If you have ought against any. Of course, there's another passage that says, if, any, if you know you're there praying and anybody have ought against you, in other words, you know that you've done something that, that you've offended them. Go get it taken care of. But if you know what, it's funny, he says, if you're standing there praying to God and you realize that you're sitting there, you're ate up with bitterness, he didn't say go take care of it with them. He said just forgive them. If you have ought against any, that your Father which is in, also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. You know, James 5, go to James 5 real quick, and I'm, I'm about done here. I'm just about done. James 5, verse 7. He says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, under the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waited for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it, until he received the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient, establish your heart, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be contemned. Behold, the judge standeth at the door. Who's that? The Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you what, the Lord Jesus Christ, he knows everything that's ever happened to you. He knows every wrong that's occurred to you in your life. Amen? And he knows every wrong that you've done. And he is standing at the door. But everything that's been done to you, he knows about it. He's going to take care of it. And that's where faith comes in when he deals with it in Luke and he deals with faith. He talks about the sick of mind tree. The bottom line is it does take faith. It takes faith that you realize, you know what, God's going to take care of it. And you know what, he's going to do a better job than you are of it. And you, by faith says, I'm going to let God take care of it. He loves them. I've had brethren do me wrong. I've had brethren really do me wrong for thousands of dollars. And you know what? You just find, you, I can't get up with it. I haven't forgotten it. It doesn't mean I'm made up with it. It just says God loves them. He loves me. Uh, I'm going to trust God. I'll take care of it. I'm not worried about it. I haven't missed a meal. Amen. I've had to go on a diet to lose weight, by the way. So obviously I'm doing all right. Let me tell you this. I forgave my dad. When I got saved about 10 years afterwards, I went to find my dad. No witness to him. 
I didn't know where he was at. He was an old drunk. I went to a bar to find him. He said, well, preach, you went to a bar. That's where you find drunks, amen. I've heard about where he was at. I went up and I went to an old bar at noon, and they, somebody told me where he's at. Anyways, one, I won't go down the whole line, but I, I, I went to him, and uh, I went to him, and he goes, nobody, none of, my, none of my siblings ever seen my dad. He'd never seen any of his grandkids, okay? And all of his grandkids were born by now. And I went to go home, and he goes, let me take you to my friend's house, because they don't even believe I have uh, children at all. His friends had never seen any of his kids. So I, I went for hours with my dad. And you know what? He says, you made my day, Bill. He goes, you're a mistake. Did you know that? I said, well, no, thank you. So, and, uh, but I said, why don't you make my day? He goes, what's that? Come to church tomorrow. He lived a hundred and some miles from church. He goes, I'll be there. You know what? He came. I couldn't sing. I wept so much in church, I couldn't sing. And then he goes, you preacher better preach. That's what he told me. Anyways, you know what? Years go by, he starts coming to church every Easter. Then he comes Easter and Father's Day. Brother Herbert Hoover, who used to be with Paul Levine, came and preached one Easter. I don't know if any of you know him, but Herbert Hoover preached. My dad got under conviction. He raised his hand, and I could overhear him talking. And he said, uh, Mike, he said, why don't you get saved? He goes, man, Brother Hoover, he said, I'm the most wicked man you've ever met. He goes, I don't think God would forgive me. Oh, he said he will. You know, a few months later, his mom died. And he goes, will you drive me to, the, to the, her funeral? I said, sure. And uh, he didn't have a license. He got caught drunk driving so much, he had no way to drive anymore. He's been, you know what, I'm driving up there to this funeral. And I says, he says to me, he says, uh, I said, Dad, isn't it time you get saved? He goes, son, I really apologize. I didn't tell you what happened. I said, what's that? He goes, some guys, some friends of mine, invited me to go down to Tennessee to go drinking and partying and go in the mountains, and I went with them. He goes, Sunday morning came by, and I said, man, I'm done with this lifestyle. And he said, I'm going to get saved today. And somebody came and picked him up, took him to a Baptist church in Tennessee, and my dad got saved. And I want to ask you this. What would have happened if I would have been ate up with bitterness and never went to witness to my dad? Now, I'm not Calvinist, okay? I don't make any qualms about it. You say, well, then I won't have you preach for me. Oh, that's all right. You know what? Some people go, well, somebody else would have won them to Christ. I don't know that. I don't live that way. I don't think that way. My mom got saved 10 years before she died. You know, you think about that. I, I thought, man, but if I'd have been ate up with bitterness, I, uh, I would have never gotten anywhere. He, I don't know if my dad would have ever gotten saved. You say, well, no, God would have done it. I don't know that. I don't think that way. Dr. King mentioned one time when he preached for me. I have a good memory for preachers when they preach. I forget a lot of things, but... He made a comment that God has in every generation given us every means to fulfill the Great Commission. Remember that, Dr. Keene? And I believe it. He said, why aren't we doing it? Well, you see, we're not Calvinistic because people aren't being obedient. They aren't being obedient. They're not fulfilling the call. Listen, no, if I'd have got to eat up with bitterness and wouldn't witness him, I don't know if he'd ever gotten saved. Listen. Man... There's a lot of things that happen in the ministry that can cause you pain. There really is. And I know that. I, you've been, some of you have been out a lot longer than I have. But I'll tell you what. If we're not careful in these injuries that take place in our life and we don't forgive people, we're going to get ate up with bitterness. I'll tell you what. If we can't learn to walk like Paul's telling them to walk, we'll never be able to stand in the battle that he tells them about in Ephesians chapter 6.
And I'll tell you what, you know who's going to suffer? The cause of Christ is going to suffer. Noah's all about the will of God, isn't it? Or, or uh, Jonah is all about the will of God, right? The book of Jonah is all about the will of God. When the will of God isn't done in our lives, the Great Commission suffers. Souls suffer. And if you and I as pastors or any position you have in the ministry are ate up with bitterness, the will of God is not being done in your life because you're no longer in control. Of, the Holy Spirit is no longer in control of your life. The old man is. The old man that was crucified in Romans 6, you've allowed him to get back on the throne, and he shouldn't be. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I preached what you had me to preach. I really feel this way. Now, I know these are senior men. But, Father, could it be that somebody here, maybe it's they can take it back with them. They can take it or leave it like the, the, the ideas of the day. But this is your word. We can't take this and leave it. Father, help us. Lord, that we, I know we get hurt. There's things that take place, and it seems unfair, and it seems unjust, and you just don't understand it sometimes, but we must not get ate up with bitterness. We've got to forgive people and just keep going forward for the cause of Christ. As Gideon said, though he was faint, yet he was still pursuing. May we say the same thing. And God, may we think of the generations that follow us and the impact that we have leading our churches. And Father, I just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.